0: Welcome to Farming Eternal. We're very excited this week. We have a new set uh, that just dropped, so we're pretty excited to talk about this. It's episode 122, and uh, because we haven't done one of these episodes in a while, I decided that we needed to have a very special guest on this week. So this week, I'd like to welcome, I found someone in the top 10 of uh, the Eternal Draft ladder right now, Hatsuno Amps. So uh, Hatsuno Thank you for coming on the
1: show. Oh, I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I think I, I was really hoping we could get a fresh voice for this new format that I can only assume uh, has recently come out. So I wanted you to come on. It seems like you've been doing a lot of drafts since this format uh, you know, just dropped. And so you'll probably have a lot of experience uh, of all these new cards that uh, the listeners might be unfamiliar with. So I'm really excited yeah. to...
1: Yes, but I have only just started playing Eternal uh a, a few weeks ago and I'm I'm pretty much just experimenting doing things at random. Uh I I guess I guess I'm in the I guess I'm in the top 10. I didn't know what those numbers meant, but it's that sounds great. <laughs> um do I get any rewards for that? I I think you get 3 packs
0: which uh if you just draft will be completely useless to you.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know if that's very well thought out, but okay. I mean, I just, luckily I just like draft so far. (laughs) Well, that's great (laughs) to hear. Otherwise, it's just a gotcha free-to-play game.
0: Yeah, so like I said, uh, this is Farming Eternal. We are an eternal podcast about draft. It's episode 122, and this week we are talking about uh, the Unleashed uh, draft format. So,
1: Hatsuno, uh, how was your draft week? That was good uh i did i finally started winning after a bunch of losses uh and then i stopped playing so that i couldn't hurt my streak so <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a that's a classic me move i i'm winning i better not play anymore i want to screw this up
1: <laughs> i want to preserve my memories the only memories i i have are the last game i played uh how was your draft week
0: I, I've been doing okay uh, since the, the format change of the format change. Um, I've been enjoying the format more and been doing better. So, kind of been having a positive record. So, my gold is not depleting as much as it, it once was in the previous format where I was just getting very, very frustrated.
1: Well, I think the format was utterly broken and borderline unplayable before they made the changes.
0: Yes, I agree. So uh, should, we, should we get into what happened? I mean, we, we haven't done an episode here for a little while, so.
1: Yeah. Are we going to drop the bit about my name or are we going to keep that going? <laughs> <laughs> we, can,
0: we can drop it. It, it, took, it took me, to be honest, I don't want to drop it because it took me a really long time. To figure out how to pronounce your name so it didn't sound like hats on lamps.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, well, that was very clever. And, uh, oh, gosh. I think we've all been on a journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I,
0: I prepared, I said I had a bit prepared. I know. And, and you did. I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot argue, you did. <laughs> I, did I did a bit. Um, yeah, so, uh, for those of you who have (laughs) have not played any internal since we last recorded a podcast, uh, set 13 is here. It's called unleashed. There's a few new mechanics, which we'll get into later. Uh, the, some big sort of overview changes is there are no longer draft packs. So right now what we're drafting is set 13, set 13, set 12 and then set 13. So it's Unleashed, Unleashed, set 12, which has a name, and then Unleashed again. And then how they kind of get around this draft pack thing is they have now, in Unleashed packs, there are three slots for reprints. So every pack will have three reprints, uh, replacing two commons and an uncommon slot. And then the uncommon slot has a chance to be a rare or legendary. So packs now can have two rares, two legendaries, a rare and a legendary.
1: Oh, that's more than I knew about it, actually. (laughs) I didn't look into the nitty-gritty of it. I guess that's good to know. I don't think it affects my strategy whatsoever, knowing the fine details of that, but it is good to know.
0: Yes. So, um, yeah, but so if you do see like a a rare... That doesn't mean that if if you see, yeah, it will, you know, if you see, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, a reprint rare, that doesn't, that isn't replacing the rare slot. So
1: there, someone did still take the unleashed rare from that pack. Yeah. That would affect your, your reading of signals. So yeah, definitely keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. And then, since that happened, they did a huge update um, a couple weeks ago and rebalanced a bunch of cards, and that has created a, a, a very a, a new format. It has, or at least, it opened up some of the previously uh, less playable colors.
1: Yeah, I think this is the biggest draft-focused uh, update they've ever done. Is that correct?
0: It's. F- Feels like if they did a one a long long time ago, but it seemed that one didn't feel as impactful.
1: Yeah, uh, they also, did. Yeah, the format before they made those changes, I think, is the worst format that I've personally played uh, for for the time I've been drafting. I haven't been drafting since the very beginning of the game, but I've done quite a few sets in a row, at least six. And this is this was this was horrendous compared to almost every other format.
0: Yes, I, yeah, and that that actually kind of helped to explain the break for this podcast a little bit because I had uh, taken after the draft open. I was a little bit burnt out and realized I was maybe sitting in front of my computer on a uh, Discord and playing Eternal like too much, and so I, I took a couple week break uh, at the end of of set twelve, and then. I missed the whole like preview format, and then missed the beginning of set twelve. And then I I reinstalled Eternal, got reinvig to you know re rekindle my love of Draft, and then was just like felt very disappointed. I think part of that was that I I personally loved set twelve, and and set set, and then unleashed had a set twelve pack in it. So then, not only was the format, did it feel horrible for me, but then it had, like, one pack where I was like, oh, man, I could just be playing this. This would be so much more fun if all the packs were like this.
1: Almost as though the game is mocking you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and it didn't help that uh, the really busted time decks were not actually working for me personally. (laughs) So it was, like, made matters worse.
1: No. luckily that's gone uh, yes. i mean i guess we can sometimes briefly mention how uh things have changed but since that format won't ever exist again we don't really have to dwell in it
0: no we do not yeah and we're gonna just assume we're not gonna talk about i think what cards changed and how they changed where we're just we're starting with a clean slate here yeah um yeah, so uh, we'll go into our usual uh, showy things.
1: So uh, card of the week. What is your card of the week this week? My card of the week is Backlash. The Backlash is a card from, from set one. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fast spell in primal. It costs two and one primal. And it says negate an enemy spell and deal two damage to that player. Uh, and I think this is one of the most interesting cards right now. Uh, it is in the reprint set, so you'll see it up against um, other all of the cards in set 13. Um, and it was always sort of a fringe playable card because there are spells that you want to counter. And spells usually come at a time when uh, your opponent really needs for them to happen. You know, they're casting a spell and it might be a combat trick uh, to save their their unit in in combat or they need to remove one of your units and and usually it's pretty vital that that spell goes off so backlash is actually kind of a strong card uh the problem is that most decks are full of units and not not as many spells so backlash is only effective uh, against a small number of cards in your opponent's deck but this format has so many good spells and so few good units that there are often a lot of good targets for Backlash in your opponent's deck. And this is the first time when doing two damage to the player is ties directly to one of the main mechanics of the set, Frenzy. So anytime you have a unit in play that activates on Frenzy and you cast a Backlash, your opponent probably lost the game.
0: Yeah, I, I actually liked how you described backlash and why it's you know because i think backlash is kind of a contentious card about whether it's playable at all or not and your point about how usually when people are playing spells they're they're very important and that's why even though it's kind of like a situational one-for-one it's kind of a it can be a, a more powerful effect than it looks at at first glance
1: yeah, how valuable is destroying your opponent's plants? Pretty good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's valuable. So, my
0: my card this week is uh Lootstrung Bow, that is the one-cost relic weapon. It's a 1-1 one, one, and then summon deal 1 damage to an enemy. And uh I am mentioning this card cuz this is one of the th- this is one of those cards where I look at it and I just like my mind refuses to accept that it's a a pretty good card, but uh, I think it is a pretty good card. You have it in your best commons of fire list, so you think it's a very good card. Um, having a one-one weapon just seems so bad, but I I got to think of it more like a slow char.
1: I think it's but or I think it's, I think even it's, better, I think it. I think it's more effective to think of it as. A a 2 1 relic weapon, like a Fury Blade? Yes. That is much more versatile. Because you're doing it, you can still kill anything with two uh, life, um, or two, uh, whatever it's called, two body, two health. You can still kill anything with two health unless it's got Aegis. Um, But also you can split the damage between two units, or you can activate Frenzy and kill a one health unit. You can do a lot with Loot Strong Bow. X, anything except kill large units. <laughs>
0: exactly. yeah. it, I, so I think it, it is very flexible and like we talked about with Backlash there are there are a bunch of Frenzy cards and there's some in Fire and so the fact that you can kill an X1 and trigger Frenzy can be very powerful. I think I might have played my first Loot strung Bow today and my opponent played uh, turn 2 played the grumbo platoon the two one uh unleash card and then i was like ah do i kill that and then i was like maybe i'll just like wait a turn and see what happens and then turn three they played a hero of the people and then i was like wow loot strong bow is awesome so i'm not sure how how often that stuff happens i just know this card always blows me out it always seems like after something happens, I just have a whole bunch of X ones on board, and then my opponent two for ones me for one power, and then I feel really dumb.
1: There's there's so many units that have just one health in this in this format, um, especially if you're in fire, like if you're in the Stone Scar. Uh, there's there's just going to be a ton of ways to to two for one. Not in every game, you know. Sometimes you've got a loot strung bow in hand, and you're facing down like a Terrazon or something, well, this this doesn't match up well. But early game, it, it almost always is is good enough.
0: On to our 7-win-run breakdown. Here we're just going to be talking about what this is because we ha- we've been a bit behind. Obviously, the show's been on a little bit of a hiatus, and so we haven't really kept up with entering all the lists, but we are still collecting them. People are still posting a ton of them in the Discord. I did want to give a shout-out because... In set 12, at the end of it, we had 1,547 lists in total um, of that format. So I just wanted to give a big thank you to everyone who did submit a list. We had a total of 122 unique contributors, so it was pretty exciting. So yeah, so we'll talk more uh, about that in future episodes but uh for now know that we are collecting seven wind decks you can send them to farming eternal at gmail.com or you can uh, post them in the seven wind channel in the farming eternal discord and then we uh have a spreadsheet where we enter all the lists so you can see kind of what's what's happening and also this the, we've entered a bunch of lists but they're all from the previous version of this format and i think that is less helpful because this format has changed
1: a lot since the yeah. Update. I think I think the 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 faction balance has changed so fundamentally that it has to change which cards are good good or not. Yeah.
0: All right, so let's get on to talking about this format. Um,
1: let's do it. Uh, I thought we might start by sort of talking about the main themes of the format uh, in terms of mechanics and uh, some of the other things. Although most of the themes really are. The new mechanics, um, and just talk about uh, wh- what factions they're in and uh, what they're good for, and a few other tidbits of information. Yes. Let's start with Unleash, which is um, you know I think the main thing going on, <laughs> or at least yeah. it was. Um, <laughs> Unleash is is a is a keyword uh, that means when you uh, when you play a card, a copy of it appears in your hand, um, and you can play. Uh, as many copies as you have power to play them. Uh, so if it's on a unit, that means that you can make several copies of the unit. If it's a three-cost unit and you have six power, you can make two of it. Uh, if you have nine power, you can make three of it. Um, if it's a spell, uh, then you can cast it that many times. Um, and uh, I guess we can briefly say that before the format change, Unleash was so dominant that it you could if you weren't drafting a deck heavy on Unleash on, on units, you were probably not drafting a deck that could win many games. Uh, it felt like you weren't even in the draft, if you couldn't get into time and get some of the two-cost units. Uh, and now that uh, there's only one two-cost unit, well, only one two-cost common unit, um, it's much less likely that you'll get a, a deck that's just that could just flood the board easily with buffed units and just walk over your opponent. Anywho, it's still good. There's still some very good Unleashed units, and it's excellent Flood Insurance, um, which is what I call it when you draw more power than you really want. Fine, as long as you've got Unleashed uh, cards in your deck, that just means you are essentially drawing cards every every few power that you play. Um, And some cards are incredibly powerful if you get up to like eight. Power and uh, and cast it twice in one turn. There's a shadow card that kills any unit. Um, if you cast that twice, once you get up to eight power, because it costs four normally, that's great. You just two for one to your opponent, and all you had to do was survive until you had eight power. Um, so it's good flood insurance, and it also is a heavily abusable mechanic if you have a way to bounce a unit back to your hand. Uh, let's say you've played it. You've played one copy of it early. You bounce it back to your hand, perhaps giving it a bonus with uh with with tenured graviturgist. Uh then you make two copies or three copies later in the game. you can bring unleashed cards back from the void um with a through the unknown, a shadow spell that gets things back from the void and and uh and make more copies of it later.
0: Yeah, and the thing I wanted to point out for the reanimation thing that's I think easy to forget is because you discard the Unleashed copy, the unit doesn't even have to die for you to be
1: able to bring back a copy from the void. It's that's like that's absolutely correct. Yeah, it's a really neat little sort of side effect of the of of Unleashed cards actually creating a copy. It also counts as drawing a card when you play an Unleashed card. It counts as drawing. You create and draw the copy. So. There's a couple of cards in the format right now. Uh, a couple of units that grow every time you draw an extra card, and Unleash activates that, such as the um, Elysian Acolyte and uh, good old Psionic Savant.
0: And then there's a couple. There's the, the the Justice Relic, the Double Doors, or whatever that gives a unit yep. uh, plus one plus one when you draw it, so you're able to keep buff you're able to keep buffing it. And that works very positively with Unleashed because you play like a, the Grumbo Platoon or whatever the card is called, the 2-cost-2-1, two two you play it, you draw a 3-2, you play that, you draw a 4-3, and so it it actually
1: keeps adding. Yeah, and then the last one that you're unable to play goes to the Void uh, as, say, a 5-4, and then when you threw the Unknown Bat, it's a 5-4 now so you can do some very silly things if the game goes long enough. so frenzy I think is pretty interesting. Uh I don't think it's as versatile and interesting a mechanic as as unleash. Uh frenzy just basically says it, um is a it's a uh, ability that is on units and it activates when your opponent takes non combat damage. Uh which means spell damage. Uh it means uh, relic weapon damage, and I think that's it. Yes, it does not mean nightfall damage. It doesn't mean nightfall damage, and I believe it doesn't mean like it doesn't mean killer damage. Like if you have killer and unleash on a unit, um, and you attack a smaller unit, that still counts as combat damage, as I understand. It does. Although yes. I, that happens rarely enough in this format that I actually haven't been able to science it, so I'm not hundred percent sure about that. But I would say before trying it that it probably wouldn't work.
0: Yes, I think it doesn't because like a card like lightning strike that allows you to kill an attacking unit can kill
1: a killer unit. Right. Yeah, so it that would count as combat. But um it, that leaves an awful lot of things that do cause frenzy damage and they did a really good job with the reprints of bringing in uh, past cards that sort of did incidental face damage to your opponent, um, but now they are Frenzy triggers as well. So there's a lot of ways of triggering Frenzy. Um, and now that uh, a lot of the Frenzy cards are costed more appropriately um, to to be competitive in a draft format, since the changes, uh, Frenzy is, is pretty fun to draft and often effective.
0: Yes, and they also a- added actually frenzy triggers to a bunch of uh, a bunch of units yes. or a bunch of spells. I mean, uh, you know, like a couple of the shadow spells that previously did not have a damage like a ping effect do now have a ping effect.
1: Yeah, which completely changes their their value in this format because there's a lot of uh, units that. That gain a little frenzy trigger here and there, um, and uh, many of them are playable on their own, so they just get a little bonus. This is a,
0: this is not exactly the place for this, but um, while we're talking about how you do have to pay attention to what like attacking, <laughs> attacking and damage, and what that all means. Uh, the one of the spells that did get changed is an unleash spell, the shadow one. That's a, a three cost, and it gives a unit minus one, minus one with Unleash. And now it gives a unit minus one, minus one with Unleash. But it also has that unit deal one damage to its player. And it's a fast spell, so which, which means that when a unit, after your opponent declares attackers, you can play that spell. But if you play it on an attacking unit, it is an attacking unit that's dealing damage. And so it does not trigger Frenzy.
1: Oh. Well, I've, I've just never seen that happen in a game, so I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I learned in that the thing. hard way because I had the, the, the primal, the three-cost-one-three three that gives a unit flying, and I thought I was sure. going to be really clever by giving one of my units flying at fast speed and then block, and then I shrank their guy, and none of my... None of my guys started flying,
1: and uh, I died. That's weird, and also, I think, wrong. Uh, I feel like if it's non-combat damage, even (laughs) though the unit is currently attacking, still the damage that panic ensues, the name of the card, panic ensues causes should not be considered combat damage, and I feel like that's a bug that should be fixed. Yeah, I uh, think... a rule.
0: Yeah, I think it's the same principle as like a mercenary vanguard doesn't trigger frenzy. Because uh, the unit is attacking and the unit itself is dealing the damage. And so it it uh, unfortunately I doesn't... See.
1: Oh, that does make sense. Yeah, kind of. Although it seems a little arbitrary, but also it reduces the number of things that are just randomly frenzy triggers. So uh, that's fine.
0: Yes, but if you play it at slow speed, then it will trigger frenzy. All right, so there is another mechanic in this set.
1: There is. It's uh, taunt and taunt. Oh, I you know I haven't been saying where it's which factions you'll find these in. Mostly, I think that's actually useful because it is part of the theme. But we can get into that in the faction pairings a little bit. Anyway, taunt uh, simply is a uh, is a battle skill for units. Uh, it means that the unit when it's attacking has to be blocked. And That's all it means um if you have two attacking units both of them have taunt then both of them must be blocked if possible uh it's uh it's a rough mechanic uh in my opinion uh it, i think it's i think it's one of the most annoying ones they've ever printed because it gives a big advantage to pe- to anyone who can get on the board before the other person and that's always inherently an advantage in eternal a lot of a lot of uh battle skills uh, favor the attacker Um, but this one makes it so you don't even want to play your cards as the defender because you know that the taunt unit is going to be able to devour them, and that's just not fun. Um, Luckily, most of the taunt units are small to begin with, but um, there are a few times when, oh man, it's just like someone will play the 1-2 taunt on turn 2, and in your hand, your 2-drop is is a 2-1 bat, and you don't want to play it. Because it's gonna get it's gonna trade with the one-two, which also gives a plus one, plus one uh bonus when it dies to something in your opponent's hand. So you just feel locked out of the game uh on turn two, which is too early to feel locked out of the game.
0: Yes, I I agree. Uh it's like there's just especially like you said, a lot of the taunt cards have low power. And so there's just like a feels like there's a huge discrepancy between Sometimes it's just, like, backbreaking, and then sometimes, you know, you have, like, a bunch of 1-2 taunts, and your opponent has a bunch of Terrazons, and taunt is, like, a, a meaningless
1: mechanic, almost. And uh, A lot of times taunt will just mean uh, your opponent will have to lose a unit of their choice, which is not a fun thing and sometimes it means that your opponent isn't allowed to play anything, and neither one is a fun play pattern. Um, I could be totally wrong about this, because I haven't played Magic for a few years, but uh, but Taunt is a, an ability that several uh, creatures have had in Magic the Gathering, but I don't think it was ever keyworded, because it was not something that they wanted a lot of creatures to have. Right. Uh, because for exactly this reason, I think, which is that it's not that much fun to play with. (laughs) So it's interesting that they keyworded it, as it just is sort of an annoying, I don't know. It gives, uh, uh, I I think it's not strong enough to be a real problem in the format. Um, If it were any stronger, it would be just unbearable. But instead, it's just sort of a, a weird, sometimes too powerful, sometimes too weak mechanic that is difficult to draft around. What it does, if you have a taunt heavy deck, if you're in like Rakano or something, or I guess uh Arjunport Justice Shadow would be the most taunt-heavy deck, then you do want to be looking at combat tricks a lot more closely because that that means your small taunt units can uh can control combat better because then they can you can plan out your turn and know that you're going to be able to beat your opponent's unit because they have to block yours. Um but uh it, I, I think the thing that bugs me the most about Taunt is that it makes being going first so much more valuable. If you have the kind of opening where you play a 3-2 on turn 2, and then you play the Minotaur Taylor, which is a 2-3 that costs 3, it gives plus 1 health to another one of your units and Taunt for the turn. Um, if you play the 3-2 and your opponent plays a 2-2 two, two to block it, and you play Taylor, making giving you a 3-3 three, three taunt that eats their 2-2. You're at such a big advantage very early in the game that it's very hard for your opponent to recover from. And I don't think it's healthy to have play patterns where the game is essentially over on turn three. Yes. Now that we've complained about taunt...
0: <laughs> we can talk about a bunch of themes that are maybe less supported.
1: Yeah, really, really surprisingly poorly supported, uh, considering that they're present at all. But there's sort of themes that are evergreen. They kind of come back um, to some degree in almost every set, and they're variously supported. There's a relics matter theme in uh, mostly Injustice in Time. It's very important for certain cards. Uh, There's uh, especially a couple of green uncommons that are so heavily dependent on having relics uh, that they're almost undraftable without them.
0: And I feel like there's not enough good relics
1: in Justice. No, nope, to... there aren't. <laughs> you have to find them in other colors, which is an odd sort of juxtaposition. The cheap. There are some common relics for Justice, but they're very close to unplayable. Um, yeah, and then there's a little bit. All of the all of the factions have a few relics that are essentially playable, and then there's the uncommons. Uh, there's the hours, which are all perfectly fine. Uh, they all cost two. Draw another sigil of the appropriate faction, and then can be sacrificed for six to have some effect on the board. Um, and those are all those are all playable because at least they replace themselves. So um, that if you get one of those, it sort of uh, gives a lot more value to the cards that do depend on relics. If you happen to to pick them up later, so there is a little sub theme that you can sometimes draft, but it's not so major that it feels like a major theme of the format. It's just interesting that it appears on so many cards. Uh, and then there's there's a sort of a battle skill theme that's surprisingly unsupported considering one of the main Justice Commons is essentially undraftable without you being able to give it battle skills, but maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, there's some stun cards, there's some spell damage stuff, there's a little war cry. So all of the main themes that the factions usually have show up to some degree, but they're mostly not supported as well as Unleash and Frenzy. So... The, the factions that aren't good at Unleash or Frenzy are at a big disadvantage.
0: I will say there's, like, the theme, like, spell damage is um, helpful. Uh, it, it is pretty good because, like, especially in Skycrag, where in Primal you're getting a lot of uh, the plus spell damage and then also, uh, you know, because the set does have extra spells, so so I, I do think that can happen, but it it's like one of those um, themes that requires uncommons. You, you need to open the uncommons early, and then
1: it also needs to be open. So it's not like an It's not job. something you can count on. It, yeah, it's a yeah. theme that will crop up once in a while, and it's a lot of fun when you can make it work, um, but you can't really draft around it because there just isn't a common that will, yeah. that will Pop up. Yeah
0: and then stun also is is kind of weird cuz there are some uh good s- stun i I feel like the the payoffs and then the good stun spells are once again in separate factions which makes it sort of a, a weird unsupported thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's just there there's just sort of some odd cards that that stand out as as being um they just sort of exist on their own, and they feel like that maybe they belong in another set. <laughs> more, maybe more of those cards than I would like because it it unbalances some of the faction pairings. It makes some of the faction pairings so weird to draft because they don't have they don't have a signpost uncommon.
0: All right, should we go into the faction pairs? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I was wondering, did we want to talk about the Adepts with this, or do you think that's not... We can
1: mention the Adepts. I think the Adepts are interesting. Okay. Uh, We can start by talking about the Adept that I don't think I've ever seen anyone play, uh, (laughs) because the first Faction pairing is Praxis, Fire Time. And uh, I think the general theme of Praxis is usually some kind of ramp. Uh, You have some Unleash uh, ability in Time and also some really big monsters one of the things that time does really well in this format is having the biggest thing on the board um especially when you get to to uh to 3 power and 5 power and getting there sooner is a perfectly good strategy um and then fire has a, a few, uh, quite a few cards well i guess really um i I guess really, just a couple, but there it's enough to make it feel uh, like something draftable that give you temporary power. there's uh yeah. there's these totemites that are zero one units that uh, sacrifice themselves at the beginning of your turn to give you one additional power for the turn. Uh, and there's a common that creates those, and there's an uncommon that creates them and a rare that creates them. So uh normally in draft having extra power for a turn, isn't really that exciting. But when you have Unleash cards, it's pretty good because that often means that you get an entire extra unit on the board.
0: Yeah, and I've actually had also a little bit of luck in Praxis with kind of sort of a go wide, slightly more aggressive uh, bent. Uh, You know, I think that's one of the reasons that time was so incredibly good in the previous iteration is that they had two... Uh, two cost unleash cards and the biggest top end, so they could more or less do everything. They could go tall or go wide, and um, they they still have uh the uh Grumbo's platoon, the the two one for two in time. So I've still had a little bit of success with uh you know you know playing just some aggressive fire cards, aggressive time cards. And then you could sort of end with times uh, top end like a terrazon or whatever, and like you said, the fire spells, and just kind of go wide with praxis a little bit too. So I think that
1: capability is also there. Yeah, you can do a couple of you can do a couple of things for sure.
0: You know, because you can like go, you know, even like you go wide a little bit, and then you can um, sort of end with uh, what's the fire card? A party crasher. Oh uh, and uh, exhaust one of their units, send in a charging taunt, and then your the rest of your units can hit and kind of kill the unit uh, kill the enemy. so so uh, yeah, so I think praxis can go a little bit both ways.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you've got, you, I mean, the thing is time has so many good cards that <laughs> just using fire as as removal and uh, and reach to finish the game with is a totally fine strategy.
0: Yes. Um, and li- like you mentioned, the, the Adept is a one-cost Praxis card. It's a zero-one. one It gives plus one max power. And when Praxis Adept hits the enemy player, you get that much power this turn. So it's kind of like a, its a hard-to-cast uh, mana dork uh, that's finicky. <laughs> a little sort of a build-around if you want to get extra power our it, which I don't think is easily done in
1: draft. It's a one cost card that requires two different factions of power. It's got of of influence. It's got fire time requirements. So you're not playing it on one in draft ever. And therefore it's kind of a weird ramp card that you play later in the game. It's not and if you want it to be any better than that, then you have to buff it somehow, which is super difficult in fire and time right now. Yes. Exactly. All right, so Ricano. Ricano, I think, is in a weird spot. You can draft an aggressive deck, but now is the time when I have to mention that Justice's commons are wretched in this format. Almost everything is bad. Um, it has some really great uncommons, some of the best, and some good rares, uh, but the commons themselves are, are pretty weak, not particularly aggressive, and not particularly um uh good in terms of value either so uh it's kind of hard to go into justice on purpose um, <laughs> like i kind of avoid it at this point because i know even if i see a couple of really strong uncommons at the beginning of a draft i don't want to be stuck taking justice commons that doesn't mean that you can't make a good deck with Justice in it. It just means that you kind of have to lean on the other faction for your good comments. Pano ends up being pretty aggressive because it's going to be mostly fire doing your actual damage. And then Justice has some pump spells and some of those powerful uncommons to finish the job.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the problem is justice also is, or Fire also isn't,
1: I think, the strongest color per se. Um, uh, no, it's it's it does have some very aggressive cards. It can do a lot of damage, but the cards are extremely fragile. <laughs> a lot of them have one health and are easy to kill or two yeah, for one.
0: Yes, and then I think a, an, another problem, I think this is just in general of the format, is that like a lot of the colors have some very good cards and some very bad cards. And so things can dry up really
1: quick. Yeah, it's kind of a trap. Rakano I feel is is a trap to draft for that exact reason is it's very easy to end up with several dead picks and then you have to branch out into three factions and then you're trying to play an aggressive deck that needs uh three colors.
0: Yes. That's <laughs> hard to do. And I think the Rakano adept is it kind of shows what a trap it is and how unsupported
1: it is. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a six power uh, four four and when you play a spell or weapon directly on the adept it gets taunt until the end of the turn which essentially means that it gets to eat a unit of your opponent's choice when you play a weapon or a spell on it uh, and that's not great and it's small for its cost it's just a bad card
0: yes and like you can't play the spell at fast speed because then taunt doesn't really matter
1: right yeah, blocking uh, has already been declared.
0: <laughs> and then also, there's just, uh, like you mentioned, uh, the tricks in this format aren't super great. And there are some really good weapons, but there's like some pretty clunky weapons, like the the, the five cost two give a unit taunt uh, weapon, which doesn't even. St-
1: <laughs> which is a nonbo with ricano adept yeah, you can't it's our... really you can't really get double taunt <laughs> so that's not a good one to use it's not an unplayable card but it's certainly unplayable on ricano adept and or i mean you know it'll do its thing but it's not doing anything special uh and then a lot of the other weapons i don't know um it didn't really they didn't re- reprint some of the really good weapons like if they'd printed the the um What's it called? The Crown Watch Longsword, I think. Yeah. The two two for two. Uh that might be interesting on a taunt unit. Uh, they just really didn't do that. And they didn't reprint finest hour or any of the other efficient mm-hmm. uh pump spells. They they reprinted the plus four, plus four for three. And I don't know. Uh it doesn't feel like that was really a focus. If they if they throw finest hour in there, then uh is gonna be a real thing, but it, it doesn't exist.
0: All right. So then Skycrag.
1: So Skycrag uh, is finally uh, pretty good. Um, I guess Praxis is is fine too, but uh, I think uh, Skycrag is sort of one of the ones that you can actually aim for. And I think it's mostly a spell focused pairing because Primal has a lot of good spells. Um, and Fire has a lot of good removal, too. So you sometimes can end up with a deck without a whole lot of units in Skycrag, and you can just sort of control the board with spells um, until you have an advantage and can just do damage with with whatever stupid units you have lying around. I've also seen people make very aggressive decks that are Skycrag, and uh, that can be good, too, although most of Primal's units aren't very aggressive themselves. Uh, They have a lot of big, butted, like, Ground blocking units in this format, Um, and those are great as long as you're also taking to the air. But of course, they're not going to do a lot of damage on their own.
0: Yeah, I do think there. You know, primal does have a few flyers, so kind of you can kind of do this like skycrack flyer thing. You definitely can. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's probably how you win. You just sort of control the air with your spells, block on the ground with your uh, with your blockers, and then eventually win with your flyers yeah uh, but I think it's easier to play more of a controlling game than Sky, with Skycrag than it is to play a really fast game, although you can um do some damage with with frenzy activations um and and kind of win a faster game too. I've seen some blisteringly fast Skycrag decks, but I haven't been able to draft one myself,
0: yeah. and i I think Skycrag Adept is one of the uh, first adepts that we're talking about that really synergizes with what it's trying to do and Actually, kind of fits in both style of decks. Where it's a five cost Sky card. It's a three three. It has flying. Your spells deal plus one damage, and then summon draw a spell that deals damage from your void. It gets void
1: bound, and that's obviously a good card all by itself. Like no matter what format it's in, um, but the fact that there are so many good sort of damaging primal spells, um, between the reprints and the new cards. Means that yeah, the adept uh, really is is pretty dangerous. Like your opponent can't really afford to leave it on the board because spell damage may is is quite good here. um <laughs> There's there's there you can really wreck an opponent fast if you have even uh, plus one spell damage. And then there's also Channeler who is m- much more abusable than that. Channeler is the five cost two four that has plus one spell damage, but when you activate Frenzy, uh, which you do with spells that cause damage, <laughs> it gets plus one to its spell damage. Um so you can just sort of both both that card and the adept are cards that your opponent really can't afford to let live. And uh because uh you'll win the game real fast if they stay on the board for a couple turns.
0: Exactly. And the fact that Adept hopefully replaced itself uh means that you're sort of at an advantage even if they deal with it
1: yeah so it's a good one um it's a good reason to go into skycrag and uh just generally i think skycrag is is a fine uh faction pairing to draft maybe not the absolute strongest but it's good all right so then stone scar so stone scar i think is one of the best factions to draft um and uh, it's just very aggressive, um, especially with the changes that they made to the draft format um, because Frenzy is better. You can actually legitimately make um, a deck that gets down on turn, gets a unit down on turn one, another one on turn two, and then starts backing it up with removal to just win the game. Uh, it's not, uh, you can't draft that just every time, but it is draftable and uh, you can get some really scary starts. With if you have enough Frenzy activations, because there's a 1-2 shadow unit um, that costs 1 that gets plus 1 strength every time you activate Frenzy. Uh, if you play that on turn 1 and then play Loot Bow on turn 2, either removing your opponent's unit or just smacking them in the face twice with your Relic weapon, now you're attacking with a 3-2 on turn 2. Uh, and, you know, you can your opponent can come back from that, but it's a very strong start.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very uh dasher esque.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like sort of assemble your own dasher, but you you don't have to take turn two off. <laughs> you know, take a vacation.
0: Yeah, and then the um the adept is a pretty strong card, especially if you have those frenzy enablers. Uh it is a two cost Stone Scar two. It has Overwhelm and Warcry, and then Frenzy plus one plus one, which is permanent.
1: Yeah, that's a permanent puff. Uh, that thing can get out of hand really, really quickly. Um and it's it just sort of there's a lot of redundancy in Stone Scar because there's a couple of turn one plays that are strong because you can just play the fire uh, two one for one. Or, or you can play that shadow one two frenzy unit. And then on turn two, you can you can play a Stone Scar adept, or you can play the two one Flyer in Shadow that gets lifesteal when you activate Frenzy. Um, you've got a few options to to reinforce this strategy, so you're not dependent on a couple of uncommons or even a single common.
0: Yes, and I think what might possibly help this this archetype out a little bit is the fact that without frenzy enablers, some of the shadow cards are really bad. and so you're you know you're like less excited to play like the one cost one, two in an argent port deck even the bird um, or whatever it is, the two one flyer in in like a deck that doesn't support frenzy as well. And so uh, I feel like you can pick up a lot of these sort of a more aggressive shadow cards because even other shadow decks don't really want them necessarily.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where if you know the archetypes of the format, you can pick up on signals um that otherwise wouldn't be apparent because if you see a bunch of those one two frenzy guys going by you know that that's probably open and you can go into either feln or so- or stone scar um knowing that you can make a more aggressive deck uh, cuz nobody's going to be competing for that handful of cards
0: all right then combray good old reliable combray
1: yeah combray still works uh it's just ramp and big units and <sighs> Um, time is unquestionably the best at putting the biggest thing down on the board um, uh, at most stages of the game, uh, but especially on turn 3 and 4, uh, ter- on 5 rather, 3 and 5, because uh, on 5, you can play a 6-5. Uh, Terrazon is back, and there's not really anything else in in the game right now that competes <laughs> with it at that point. It's just always going to be the biggest thing. And then on turn three, you can make a 3-4, which is also the biggest thing. And it comes into play uh, exhausted, so it doesn't immediately block. That's Happy Harvester. Uh, but it also scouts, and it gets you to your next, you know, it helps you yeah. helps you play your next power so you can play your Terrazon on, on uh, turn five. Uh, it's a very effective way to play the game of of, of, of Eternal Draft is play the biggest thing on turn three and a couple of turns later play the biggest thing on five. It really leaves your opponent uh, to solve the problems in this game. It does.
0: Yeah, and then the Ad- the Adept is pretty good, too. Um, it is a three-cost uh, Combray, and it's a 2-1. It gives you plus one maximum power and then summon, draw a time sigil or justice sigil from your deck.
1: Yeah, it's super good. It, it replaces itself. Um, it draws a because it draws a card when it comes into play, and then your opponent is in this position where, um, they you they know that you can get to five power next turn because you just drew a sigil. Uh, and five power is very dangerous if they don't have any way of dealing with what you're going to do on turn five, so they might have to spend a spell killing your two one because it's sitting there providing an extra power. Um, it, it's It's an unassuming card, but it puts your opponent in a really bad position if you manage to play it on turn three. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so it's like, you know, Amber Acolyte has always been a standout in every time it's available for draft. Uh, This one doesn't help you, doesn't enable like three, four, five color decks as well as Amber Acolyte does, but in exchange you get plus one maximum power, which is a a pretty good skill when... Uh, as you've been saying, uh, time has the best five drop. I,
1: I guess there is some redundancy because there is a relic that um, also provides plus one maximum power on three. It's not nearly as good as Combre Adept, but it is a common. But also there is a light relics matters uh, relics matter uh, theme in time as well. So uh, it, it's it, if you are doing a very rampy deck, then that's an okay card in a pinch. But honestly, I haven't seen that, that um, that ramp relic do a lot of work in this format so far.
0: Time is kind of like one of the best colors to pair with weird weirdly time. Time does so much in this format. It's like one of the best colors to pair with the Justice Relic Matters, because you get the the Zoltan mask or whatever, the 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 one that the one cost relic that scouts. And then if you play a unit with four health, goes to the yard. So that really synergizes especially with the justice uncommon the one four um that flips to a four four
1: yeah and it's synergizes with tinker unionist one of green one of uh, justice's best Uncommons, the two two uh for two with taunt and Warcry, cry and it has unleash if you have a relic
0: exactly and then also time is also i don't know maybe you don't feel this it's like because it has lotus instructor I feel like is one of the best ways to give units keywords, which also happens in justice.
1: That's true. It's an awkward series of turns because the, the unit that needs you to give it keywords, this is, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a three, three for four and one justice. Um, and it gets plus 2, plus 2 if it has at least one battle skill. Or does it get plus 2, plus 2 for each battle skill? Oof, I don't know. I haven't played it enough. Yeah, no one has. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just gonna find it. Uh, here it is, Prodigious Student. Prodigious Student has plus 2, plus 2, while well, it has a battle skill. So it's never any better than a 5, 5 for 4, which is pretty good. But you do have to put some work in. Anyway, yeah, you can give it overwhelm and then it's a then it's a five-five with overwhelm. Or a six six, I guess, because uh Lotus Instructor gave it the bonus. But but Lotus Instructor also costs four, so you have to play the student and then you play Lotus Instructor and Contract on the next turn. Um it's uh, it, it's fine because Lotus Instructor is always a good card on its own but it's probably not like the most exciting thing you can be doing. <laughs> it's like when you activate prodigious student it's like, "Oh, good, I did it." <laughs> it's not like exciting. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I, agree. Made the, I made the bad card, okay. exactly. All right, so how about a lesion? Well, lesion is great. One of the best things you can do. Still, uh lesion was the the best archetype before they changed the draft format because it had too many good flyers. Uh Insect Swarm was absurd. Uh, but now it's still good because there's a couple of ways to buff flying units. Uh, so basically a Elysian is usually going to be a Skies deck. You're going to have a lot of flying units, probably uh, some removal and ways to block things on the ground and just kind of overwhelm them in the Skies. Uh, there's two really good uncommons for that. There's um, Wind Screamer, is the one three for three in primal uh when you activate frenzy it uh gives another unit flying actually it can give itself flying as well let's give a unit flying every time you activate frenzy and all flying units get plus one plus one all of your flying units get plus one plus one uh great card ridiculous card and um uh, also what's the other one the relic um majestic skies Majestic Skies, which we've seen before and uh, is always always a good card. Uh, two cost Elysian Relic gives plus one, plus one to all your Flyers, and then you can uh, ultimate it for six to get any Flyer out of your deck. And there's some really good ones to pick up, especially if you've got six power sitting around. So if you pick up either one of those cards early in the draft, um, it's a safe bet that you can probably put together a pretty good Flyers deck. There's a lot of support for it. And uh, it's just a very strong thing to do, even without Insect Swarm costing two like it used to.
0: Yeah, the um, I I have not played it. the Elysian Adept yet. The Elysian Adept is the three-cost Elysian. One-one. Uh, it says when you draw an additional card, Elysian Adept gets plus one, plus one. And then once per turn, you may pay four to make each player draw a card.
1: Yeah, it's a weird little card, but I've had it in a couple of decks, and it is very good um it it takes some time to get to the point where it's a large unit but there's a few things that activate it there's a couple of cards that just straight up draw cards um but then it gets activated by unleash um and that's usually good enough you'll have a couple of 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 unleash units sitting around because it's very well supported in time and primal there's mm-hmm. not actually that many primal cards with unleash, but it feels like there's a lot of them because uh, the best primal card uh, common is is an unleash card. <laughs> That's greed stretch griffin, which is a two two. Um, so yeah, adept uh, feels like it's it it feels weird to draw a card for your opponent as well, but one of your cards is growing every time you do that. The Elysian adept itself, so it's usually more of an advantage for you. it is for your opponent because you're not doing it when it's the only thing you're doing on your turn um it's what you do when you've got a bunch of power sitting around and you don't have any cards left in your hand so your adept grows and you might draw something that you can use Uh, but eventually your adept is going to get big enough that it's taking out a card that costs more than it or a couple of cards or something so it's fine. It's not a reason to draft Elysian by itself, and it's weird how poorly it goes with the themes of Elysian. It really <laughs> just goes with the Unleash mechanic and not so much the Skies mechanic, but um, the Skies mechanic, I say, as though it's not just Flying, the most fundamental mechanic in the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it doesn't really go with like the main your main strategy. It's just sort of a little sub-theme that you can probably do something with.
0: Alright. So then on to Xenon.
1: Xenon's weird. Uh I don't I don't know what the theme is, honestly. Uh there seems to be sort of a recursion theme, which Xenon sometimes has in draft. There's uh, an unusual number of cards that bounce other card other units of your own back to your hand in time, and then there is a common uh void recursion card and through the unknown. Uh, to get things back from the Void. Uh, and there's a few cards that give units permanent buffs, so if you can keep the game going for a while, you can sort of gradually overwhelm your opponents with value. But it's kind of tough to put together, honestly. Uh, it's it, you're, you're probably going to end up in Xenon just because you have some good cards in Time, which is pretty easy to get, and you've got some good removal in Shadow, which is pretty easy to get, and then you're just playing a bunch of good cards.
0: Yes, and I, I think the Adept ad kind of shows that too. That the adept ad is just kind of a, a big value engine. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, a, it's a seven cost Zenin, a uh, time and shadow. It's a zero five. It's unblockable. It gets plus one attack for each of your units and then summon draw a unit from your void and give it plus one plus one.
1: Yeah, it's a really good, strong thing to do uh, near when you when the game's gone long. Um, just pure value, not a, not a tempo card at all. (laughs) But if you draw a unit from your void that has Unleash and give it plus one, plus one, that's really good. Usually, uh, you'll make a bunch of those, uh, on your next turn and attack for a bunch of unblockable damage with the Adept. That's, that's a strong play, but it takes place late in the game.
0: So then on Huru,
1: Yeah. And Huru is not, um... I don't know draftable it does, there's no real theme to it as far as i can tell there should be a battle skills theme uh the adept suggests that there is one but when it comes down to it there aren't very many cards in justice or primal that actually grant battle skills to units so it's like they're it's like they just didn't uh, bother to support the theme because there wasn't room because they were trying to support other themes and it made it so that Huru doesn't really do anything.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've drafted Huru a couple times. I feel like my Huru decks are flyers decks that involve Justice Flyers and Primal. Or Justice yeah. Uncommon Flyers and then Primal all Flyers.
1: <laughs> yeah, Justice does have some good flyers, especially on commons, but it's got a couple of uh well, it's got at least one um, mediocre <laughs> card. There's the 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 bomber. Um, I don't remember the, the name of the of the the full name of the card, but it's a two-two flyer for four. It gets plus two plus two when it attacks, and you uh, control a relic. That's a right. lot of work to get a four-four attacker. Um, but a 2-2 flyer for 4 has always been basically playable in draft. It's just not something you're looking forward to playing. But if you don't have enough flyers, uh, you can you can throw that guy in there. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's kind of how my guru decks have gone. Like. Yeah, there's a they little... Happened. You might be able to get a couple of... Uh, you might be able to keep your opponent's cards stunned because there's a lot of ways of stunning them. Um, you might be able to uh give your units some battle skills if you end up with the few cards that are able to do that but it's just so hard to get either one of those things working that i just don't find myself in Huru very often no it is so hard it's it's so hard and this is all summed up by the adept you want you want to read the adept yeah the adept
0: is a three cost huru uh and it's a 2-2, it has Aegis. When Huru Adept attacks, it gets plus 1, plus 1 this turn for each of its battle skills. So, so uh, yeah, it's just a weird card. So it attacks as a 3-3 Aegis, which is pretty good, but it's never any bigger on defense. So it's it's an aggressive card. But like we said, it's so difficult to give battle skills that you. it really is just a 3-3 Aegis that doesn't block.
1: Yeah, and it's got aegis, so it's hard to kill. So if you manage to get some equipment on it, like the you know the two one and flying card from set twelve, then it's going to be very hard to stop, for sure. Uh, it's just you don't know if you're going to see one of those during your draft. There's it's only one pack with them, <laughs> so uh, it's if you pick up a, an early Huru adept, you're still hoping not to play Huru, <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of a weird, weird position to be in. Next is Arjunport yeah so argent has i think the most taunt going on um uh, that you're gonna end up with uh, again shadow has good removal but kind of weak units um justice has just weak everything (laughs) but um
0: you get but a great adept
1: but a great adept exactly um (laughs) So Arjut port. I just want to say, usually is my go is one of my go tos in almost any draft format because you end up with a couple of removal spells in Shadow. You end up with some of the best commons in in the set uh, because Justice usually has those, and uh, you end up just sort of having better cards mm-hmm. than your opponent on average because so many of your commons are good. Um, with Justice's commons being essentially uh, bad. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to, to make that happen now, so I'm Port really isn't that strong. The factions are better balanced than they were at the beginning of the format, but as we're talking about this, it makes it sound like they're not balanced at all. A lot of faction <laughs> pairings are just bad.
0: Though I will say, I've actually drafted a fair bit of Arjunport too, and it's been
1: fine. It's been good? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all right. The Adept is good, and also because there are a lot of Taunt units um, between Justice and Shadow, you can kind of draft to that. Uh, Anything that's a combat trick is going to be more powerful because you can guarantee that your opponents are getting into, or or you can guarantee that your units are getting into combat.
0: And then, uh, so the Adept is, uh, it's a four-cost Argent port, and it's a 2-2. It has Taunt, Life, Steal, Intune, Give an enemy
1: unit minus two, minus two. Yeah, it's, that's very similar to an old shadow uh card that was a two-two for four, and then when it dies, it gives an enemy unit minus two, minus two. And that was always a really good card in limited. And this yeah, is much better.
0: Much better. Because it has lifesteal, so your opponent needs to I mean, it has taunt, so your opponent needs to block it. It has yeah, lifesteal. <laughs> <laughs> it has lifesteal, so your opponent needs to eventually kill it. And then it gives an enemy unit minus two minus two. So you either kill the thing that blocked it, or you kill something else, and yeah, it's it a permanent your... minus two minus two.
1: Yes, yeah, which is very good with some of the um, some of the the units that have revenge or whatever that they, they they don't come back now.
0: So, so I I think one of the best ways to have a good port deck is to draft uh, multiples of these,
1: sure. and then <laughs> and then figure out the rest. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, you'll end up with some good cards, but again, I I it's it's tough with the with the situation with justice as it ends up uh you you end up with an underpowered deck even if Ardenport is open.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I I feel like I'm just so biased by how strong justice's uncommons are that every time you say this, I'm like, yeah, but how does my justice opponent always play Arania against me?
1: Play who against you
0: rania the the legendary valkyrie that they always draw off of
1: the oh well that's that's the prop that's a, a specific problem that the <laughs> format has uh which is that aerial deployment is busted um yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to play Justice if you have an Aerial Deployment, because it's one of the stupidest cards in the, in the format right now. Uh, it would be fine. So Aerial Deployment, let's just talk about Aerial Deployment, because uh, it is one of the cards that gets you into Justice, although I'm happy to splash it. Um, it's a it's a two-cost Justice spell with Unleash, which means you can ca- you can cast it for every two power that you have insanely. It has uh, it. It creates and draws a random Valkyrie or bird, uh, which sounds like okay. You're going to fill your hand with random cards, uh, but in practice, because this isn't a Valkyrie set, all of the Valkyries are bombs. <laughs> yes, and some of the birds are as well. Because the only Valkyries in the set are like rares and legendaries, so that's all you draw. It's insane.
0: It is. It. It was. It was insane. They added birds, and so now my opponents just get Helena's.
1: Yeah, just, just all Helena's. It's it's real dumb.
0: <laughs> Did not solve the problem.
1: <laughs> no, if they had printed aerial deployment in a set with, uh, with just a bunch of random Valkyries, like, there have been sets where half the Valkyries are just uh, are draft filler. Fine. Then it fits in fine. But they made the... They 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 thought up the card, they printed it, they put it in the set, and I don't think ever tested it because they never <laughs> saw that. Oh, look! You just get the four six with life steal basically every time you cast this. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's any set where I, I would seriously enjoy. I it's like I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's like let's the- make an invoke card where you can just like invoke multiple times with one card.
1: Yeah yeah all it does is all it does is is invoke good cards um the, the other problem is that unleash is so much better when it costs 2 than when it costs 3 that costing something at 2 with unleash should have been done with more care um, yes the, there there's such a di- I mean that's that was the difference in insect swarm is it was it used to be a 2 cost 1 1 uh, with ambush and flying and unleash and it was way too good for a common. Now it's a now it's a one two, uh, um with uh it's the same card, but it's a one two and it costs three. Um, and it's still playable, but it's not. It went from being absolutely ridiculous to being just kind of a card that you might put in your deck. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's how much better Unleash is at two than it is at three. Uh, it's just very 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 dramatic. So, costing Aerial Deployment at 2, I think, was just a mistake.
0: Yeah. Well, because you just compare it to the Primal Uncommon, the 4-cost Primal Primal draw 2 spell with Unleash. Yeah, I I
1: often cut that from my deck.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because you can't play it on 2, you can't play it on... It's not helpful on 2, it's not helpful on 6. Or you can just play Aerial Deployment and get... (laughs) A legendary every time and uh, it's you more did, flexible you didn't
1: even have to didn't even have to draft the legendary but yeah. you do get it yeah it's crazy uh yeah it's not it's not a balanced card so yeah that's gonna that's one of the justice cards there there are a handful of justice uncommons that are so good that it makes it seem like justice uh is good um and sometimes it is because you'll end up with enough of those uncommons and some of the justice rares Uh, that it doesn't matter that you didn't pick up any good Justice Commons. You just pick up enough Commons in the other faction to make a playable deck. All right, and our final color pair. Final color pair, and I've totally lost my place, uh, is Felm. Felm. Oh, Felm. I do want to talk about Felm because I haven't gotten a lot of 7 zeros in this format. I haven't played a million drafts in this format, but one of them was a Felm deck. And essentially, a good Felm deck is going to be a Frenzy Control deck. There's a handful of uncommons in Feln that have really good effects when you activate Frenzy. And you only need a few of those to create a whole ton of value. Um, And uh, both Shadow and Primal are very good at activating Frenzy. And you've got a ton of good removal between the Shadow and the Primal cards. You have enough good units that you can close out the game. Um, And I think you usually end up having to splash fire um, for a little additional uh, punch here and there, a couple of strong cards, or maybe splash something else. I don't know, because you're playing a relatively slow deck. Um, But I think it's one of the better archetypes to draft is one of the better faction pairings. I think you can pretty consistently get a working deck out of film.
0: Do you think that? even if you're not getting the good uncommons like do you think because i've had a couple film decks but they've all
1: had film adept in it and so they have felt great yeah that helps a lot but Ah. i don't think it's absolutely required um (laughs) i think that you end up with enough sort of i mean you can you can just end up with a flyer's deck you know you get some green stretch griffins to follow up your um your thirsty bats Mm -hmm. and you attack in the air while killing everything relevant uh, you, you can still make it work
0: yeah so uh, yeah like i said so the the adept is great it this was one of the cards that they buffed it was actually i think pretty good at three and now it's incredible at two it's a two cost felm and it's a zero four flying frenzy uh, plus two attack this turn when felm adept hits the enemy player draw one of the top three cards of your deck put the rest on the bottom
1: and what's really great about Felna Dept is that you don't have to activate Frenzy for it to do damage. You can also give it a buff of some kind, give it equipment or a war cry trigger or something like that. You can give it a temporary buff with a card that can do that.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, there's even I've done this a couple times. Uh you know, there's multiple ways to swap two units, um, you know, attack and health. And so uh, you know, there's the new one in this set that's the four cost that you can only do it to two of your units. But if you're given, you know, if you're turning Felon Adept into a 3-3 three, three in the air and one of your units on the ground into an 0-4 to be a blocker, you know, like that's that's a great trade. And you're then attacking with felon Adept, replacing your the card immediately. Um, you know, or there's the the complete blowout uh uh, with the card from set 12, the six cost one.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Um, but uh, there's... Yeah, and even if you can't activate it for a couple of turns, you just don't have the right cards in your hand, it's still a zero four, 4 which is a pretty large thing to play um, if you just want to block for a couple of turns. And it does this wonderful thing where um, sometimes you have to choose whether you want to cast your spell to remove an opposing unit or damage your opponent's face and activate frenzy but when you have a felna adept that gets to attack after you cast a spell at your opponent's face um it doesn't feel so bad <laughs> to thunder pop your <laughs> your opponent because you get to draw a new card
0: exactly and it's it's one of the top three cards so it's not even just like oh i'm drawing
1: a power you're uh no. You know, no, oh, you get to scout twice and then draw a card.
0: <laughs> so very strong card. Very fun to play.
1: Yeah, not, not as fun to play against, but definitely fun to play.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing. is It's so strong, your opponent has to deal with it. But then Shadow has so much recursion in this format that you can just get it back, and it's so cheap. It's like, ah, oh, just play
1: three. Yeah, it's back. Uh, I hope you're having fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, man. Imagine Dark Return with this, giving it a power. Oh, That'd be that amazing. would be too good if they
1: if they <laughs> if they rotate Dark Return into the format. It's going to be too good. They're going to have to they're going to have to at least increase it to a three again. It'll be this it'll be this card that's constantly changing. I imagine it's constructed playable at least in Expedition right now because uh, on turn two, it's it feels like you're playing a constructed deck.
0: Yes. No. I, I'm actually I I have a Throne deck that I I made that uh, plays it and it's been uh, very good in it.
1: Yeah. There you go. So
0: yeah, cool. So I think we should end it here.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think we we got into the uh, meat and potatoes of the format here, and those are a lot of my main thoughts. Uh, I'm glad that they made the changes that they did because um, I went for I had a long break from Eternal because I was tired of the last format. It was a good format, but I got tired of it because it went on for so long and when i came back and it turned out that the format was bad i was like oh well maybe i just don't play eternal anymore ever <laughs> um but then they made the improvements and now now i play it once in a while it's fine it's one of the games in my rotation
0: yeah I, I i my one worry with not this new format but the not this format per se but the new way that they're doing these formats and losing the draft packs kind of I do worry about how easily they can change the formats up to if they're still just releasing sets every five or six months, you know, because I don't think previously they did do a great job like changing up the draft packs to reinvigorate the format, but at least it was like conceptually possible, but I don't see how they do that now
1: easily. I don't know either. Uh, they'll have to get creative with it. I think they did a really good job with the reprints um, in their choice of reprints, but I, I I agree. I don't know if it is um, if it's possible for them to make a, dr- dramatic enough changes using this system to. To really uh, get people drafting again a couple of months into the yeah. format the way they used to never used to because it would go good format terrible format adequate I, format that was their pattern they liked, um, but uh, uh, here yeah just changing three of the like that if 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 you change the reprints you, but see you can't even change the reprints
0: in this system no no because that's part of you know like if you just buy a box. And open packs, they have reprints. That's not a draft only thing. So it's like part of the set. So it's like oh. your reprints now say like you know like Rebel Sharpshooter is now in set thirteen.
1: Say they don't change those, then they would have to do something like make uh, Unleashed pack like one and four, and then like some other set like <laughs> like set ten or something. Who yeah. knows how well that would go? That would change the format pretty fundamentally. I know, but
0: that but now you're basing it on a previous set happen happening to synergize with this current set, which I don't think is as easy to do than creating a whole new set with draft packs, kind of. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, yeah, it is limiting, but um, we'll
0: find we'll find out in three
1: months. <laughs> I mean, the thing I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna just uh, bring up Hearthstone briefly because I've played a little bit of it lately. Um, And Draft in Eternal and Arena in Hearthstone are very different, uh, but there are some similarities because they are are the main limited format and uh, they have to be changed up once in a while. And the way Hearthstone does it is they release mini sets and then rotate those cards into the Arena format. Um, And they don't do that in Eternal because the mini sets are collectible cards that you can't open in packs, and so they can't put them in Draft packs because the only way you're supposed to be able to get them is through purchasing the set as a whole. Uh, So they don't have a valuable tool that Hearthstone has where they can just release a bunch of cards. And because you don't keep the cards permanently in Arena, you can put any cards you want in there. Um, So the the format kind of gets changed up every time they decide to release uh, 15 new cards. and it's it's kind of a great creative tool for them to keep the limited format feeling relatively fresh. And I kind of wish Eternal could figure out a way to do that.
0: Yes. Well, I think the draft packs were theoretically a way to do that, but they really struggled with making consistently good formats
1: with the draft packs. They would need a lot more people playtesting in order to be able to do that. It, just, uh, it always ended up being like, well, this looks like it'll be good. Let's hope it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, or sometimes I'm not even sure about that.
1: <laughs> maybe or maybe they just threw darts at a, a, a little yeah, right? cards printed on it.
0: Oh, hit helpful doorbot again. I guess it's going in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we love helpful doorbot. Um yeah, cool. It's, well for helpful doorbot to shine. Stone stone skin is in the format. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. All right. So I think that's our show here. Thanks. Thanks for coming back. I'm glad we got the get this episode out and talk about this thanks for everyone who's stuck with us and is still listening if you do like the show you can give us a five-star rating or review on itunes stitch or google play you can join us in the do- discord there'll be a link in the uh in the show description uh, discord is still hopping so people are still asking questions and doing draft picks and stuff like that so i highly recommend it if you're not in there uh finally you can give a thumbs up to raven dragon's reddit posts and don't forget to send in all your seven win decks you do this week to farming eternal at gmail.com or post them in the discord and remember to keep on farming have a good night
1: good night